And another thing And another thing And another thing And another thing Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set the bar in the world of podcasts. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And as always, we are proud to be a part of the MNC Podcast Network. Jordan and the crew there doing an amazing job. Numbers, Tony, are going through the roof each All week. Right. So we better get we better start getting paid more, I guess. Is what I, I know. We, we better get to the And Another Thing Podcast Incorporated and ask for raises. <laughs> okay, speaking of getting paid... I uh, got to give a shout out to John Mutton as well. Uh, him and the team from Municipal Solutions. They are our presenting sponsor week in, week out. The show doesn't get on the air without their generous support. So thanks to John and the team at Municipal Solutions. And Tony, I know that you can share uh, more about what they do there. Yeah. And obviously a shout out to John from Jody and myself and uh, the team at And Another Thing Podcast. Uh, John lost his father last week and uh, uh, our deepest condolences to John and on his family for that. Uh, in the meantime, Municipal Solutions is there for you. They have development services and project management, uh, development approvals and permit expediting. They're very good at that. Planning services with municipalities. You're doing a lot of stuff on that. Uh, engineering services, architectural services, if you have a minor variance or a land severance, or you need a building permit, go to municipalsolutions.ca. And then we have our new sponsor, Jody, the Canada Strong and Free Network uh, for their Canada Strong and Free Networking Conference, which will be taking place at the Shaw Centre in Ottawa, May 5th to 7th, 2022, in person. Uh, please go to canadastrongandfree.network to see what that's all about. They will have excellent speakers. They will have best practices. They'll have uh, members' receptions, a lot going on. Uh, I, I expect hundreds of people to turn out for that. It's great to have that conference back in Ottawa, and I'm looking forward to it. And, of course, Jody and I will try to uh, get a couple of podcasts out of that. Right, Jody? Yeah. Are we, are we like speakers? Like, are we special guests or what? Yeah, I think we're actually uh, sponsoring the uh, the Thursday night reception with Premier Ford. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Actually. Yeah, it would be. But uh, we well, think I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to that, and uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get a couple shows out of that event. And then finally, also uh, LooneyPolitics.com. Don't forget exclusive content there, including our show that you shows episodes that you can't get anywhere else. But uh, you got to be a subscriber. So use the code podcast to get 50% off an annual subscription at looneypolitics.com. All right. Today, this episode, we are going, we're, first of all, we're doing something that we normally don't do, and that is having a guest via phone. But there's a reason for that, and it's because our guest is in the heart of one of the biggest news stories in the world today. And I'll let Tony kind of unpack that, but... I think some of you will already know where we're going with this, but Tony, maybe we can uh, introduce our guest and this will be very, very interesting. Yes. And we want to thank our guest because it, it, it was a bit of a challenge, to, just the technology and he, he's in, he's obviously in Ukraine, he's in a war zone. So uh, sometimes some of our 
whiz-bang audio equipment may not be as workable there. But I want to give a great welcome to my friend, uh, my brother uh, in arms, uh, Yuri Polakiewski. I've known Yuri since 1989, perhaps. Uh, and when we both lived in the West End of Toronto, uh, since that time, uh, Yuri Polakiewski has uh, resided in Ukraine for, uh, I think, at least a couple of decades. And uh, he is a he is an accomplished author, uh, and uh, he is a person of great influence in that country. Uh, Yuri Polakiewski, welcome to the program. Thanks, Tony. Good to hear your voice, my friend. It's good to hear your voice too. So, tell our audience, uh, where are you in Ukraine right now? I'm in uh, Kiev. I'm in the western part. I've lived uh, for the last uh, almost eight years in Kiev. And about five months ago, I wanted some quiet, so I came to Kiev to write a book, my second book on, uh, on Ukraine. And, uh, well, it's not happened. There's not, not much quiet going on here right now. Yeah, so, so what, I, I know Lviv hasn't been under constant attack like Kiev and Kharkiv, but uh, tell us tell us what's going on in Lviv that you can see outside your window. The, even. the big story, yeah, the big story, the big story here is, is that Lviv, is a major transportation hub, and it's very close to an hour and a half to the Polish border. And right now, it is the uh, hub where most of the uh, most of the displaced uh, people, refugees, are are going through uh, on their way to the border to, uh, to Poland, where they await actually uh, where they await uh, processed very quickly. People are welcoming there in, in Poland. And uh, from there, they're fanning, they're fanning out over over Europe and eventually some to Canada. So yeah. it's uh, there are a number of border points here and uh, in the surrounding area, and that's what Lviv is. Uh, it's that it's that uh, it's that transportation hub. What do you see? Uh, for example, yesterday I went to pick up my family who were in Kharkiv, uh, were bombed. Uh, they arrived uh, yesterday after well uh, crossing. Where where were they bombed? Where where were they bombed, Yuri? Okay. Okay. So they came here, and uh, you couldn't get close to the uh, you couldn't get close to the with a cab. I went to pick them up with a cab. I couldn't do it. I had to wait about 'Ah, there's been a million and a half uh, refugees uh, uh, exit Ukraine so far, and uh, that's probably just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, you've had you've had air you've had air raid uh, sirens go off in Lviv too, though, right? Constantly, you know. I wrote that article, as you know, a few days ago in uh, in the Golden Mail, and uh, I was tired there, and people were responding. I got to bed. I went to bed around eleven. Fell into a deep sleep. And at two o'clock in the morning, the air raid, the air raid sirens went off, and uh, that was that was disconcerting. I'm not afraid of the bombs or anything like that, but uh, I'm twenty. I'm about 20, uh, 20 steps, twenty five steps to the bomb shelter in my apartment. Okay. Um, there hasn't been uh, that much. Bomb, there hasn't been bombing here at all, actually. Okay. Although uh, we've had saboteurs here through the city, they were putting markings for potential uh, potential bomb drops. And they knocked down a drone uh, about a week ago. That was also surveying the uh, surveying 
Yeah, so the, the so the Russians have made incursions in Lviv. Then is that what you're saying? No saboteurs. Saboteurs. So what's, what does that mean? Saboteurs. So the, the uh, but what they had is that people would come in here and they would actually for aerial bombardment they would use fluorescent paint oh. so that they would um, so uh, yeah for that type of yes that's what they do so they caught a few uh, they're going to uh, I talked to some uh, court reporters this week. And they said they're going to be trying to bring them to uh, to justice. So these are uh, these are Ukrainians working that's the in. That's yeah. the difference of civilization here. Yeah. In Europe, uh, they try to follow the rule of law. Unfortunately, the enemy here of this country wants to destroy that. So these are Ukrainians working in league with Russians, or these are Russians who? No, no, uh, no, uh, no, no, no. Just Russians coming over. Okay. Here. Okay. So the, these are kind of the advanced, uh, maybe special, special forces that are uh, doing the dirty work before the bombs. They're not special forces. They're not special forces, but they're just, uh, 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 you know, saboteurs. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But that's not a story. That's not a story at all. I'm just telling you exactly. Yeah. 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 No. No. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. So tell us. Uh, I mean, did you feel just before the Russians started the invasion that something was going to happen, or was that was it a, yeah. a total surprise oh, to you? Yeah, no, that's no surprise here at all. I would say if, uh, I think you, uh, as you know, I'm the Ukrainian, I'm the correspondent for uh, New Europe out of Brussels, right? Right. And uh, about a month and a half ago, I wrote an article uh, prophesying that, uh, well, that, that this was going to happen and that Putin wanted to come here and that this was coming. Uh, longer, even, the government prepared, and the people for that matter, were prepared. We knew that this was going to happen. There was a sense of, of uh, we don't want to believe that this will happen, mm-hmm. but some of us who are, you know, a little bit more uh, th- you know, thinking forward and being realistic uh, knew that this was going to happen. Uh, the action or their response to this threat uh, is, is under debate or should be debated, and I'm prepared to defense work here, yeah. but people were expecting and were preparing it. So, uh, I mean, one of the things that's captured the world's attention is is the bravery of Ukrainians, ordinary Ukrainians, uh, the soldiery as well, but ordinary Ukrainians who are uh, taking up the fight under terrible circumstances, over out outgunned and out outmanned, but they're still fighting. So, it, it, do the Ukrainians know that that the world is looking to them and 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 seeing their bravery? Yeah, they do. Um, they do. Um, the story is that, um, let me talk about the resistance. Yeah. Uh, you know, in that Globe article, what I wrote is that there are people here. You have to understand something, that the people here are fighting for their existential existence. Uh, clearly, what Putin wants to do, and his intention is, is to destroy, is to destroy Ukraine, its independence, its sovereignty. And it's, and it's culture, number one. People are aware of this. The element of resistance is is uh, is unbelievable here. Uh, four, eight years ago, people said, well, they, is the West going to support us? And I said, yes. And I said to them, this is eight years ago at, uh, at Maidan Square during the Maidan. Right. Uh, and I said, but if you expect Canadian boys, American boys, or European boys, or NATO, say, you expect them to come here and fight? No, they, they're not going to come here. What I, uh, my point is, is that one of the transformational aspects in the 
last eight years is the resistance towards uh, 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 Russian or the entrance of Ukraine or re-entrance of Ukraine or return to uh, this idea of Ruski Mir, this Russian order. Absolutely, 100%. I'm not sorry about that. Not of the true Ukrainians, right? Mm-hmm. There's a 100% commitment to the to resistance of of uh, to Russia. Um, I have friends right now, and I, I made a few calls today across the country, see that right now uh, there are boys, right, my friends, who are willing to die, and I, and I will accept this. I will accept it just because they said we will never allow Russians to occupy us. Mm. So I have friends, I, I talked to them about an hour and a half ago in preparation for the special mission. Uh, that resistance is, 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 is there. So do not expect that people are going to give up here. course my friend of course it's a longer answer. no no that I, I I totally respect that what it what do you, what do you think and what do your uh, compatriots think about the Western response so far I'm in that situation even though I'm accepted here as uh, as, uh, as uh, Ukrainian but I speak a little bit with an accent but the, I, I'm accepted here as as Ukrainian right, right. Uh, it is very hard for me to explain the rationality Things such as uh, why isn't there a no-fly zone here? Yeah. Um, why did why weren't we given weapons much earlier? Uh, Zelensky uh, has been saying this for, for quite a while. Yes. And I would say that they, do they feel the support? Well, yeah, it was good enough of, uh, you know, a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. But right now, when they're fighting, they need weapons. And uh, and uh, it's, uh, I think they are here. There's a further commitment, but I think one of the diplomatic solutions has been uh, the fact that uh, Ukraine was not armed, knowing that there was a, a threat, and knowing that there's also a fulfillment of the threat of annexation of Luhansk, Crimea, and, and uh, Donetsk, right? Mm-hmm. They, they knew there was a coming war. They knew that they needed weapons for protection, and that just was not given. And I would say, you know, as a Canadian, uh, I would say that that's failures here and people will go back and listen what uh, and go back and and, and discuss and debate something debate in my mind uh, why weren't the ukrainians armed yeah no it's a good question it's a good question and now we've got you know well no no i i don't i i don't i don't i other than they're not they're not in nato and so they don't come under the nato umbrella uh i think i still they don't have to be Tony. they don't have to be no i know uh, they could go through a land lease agreement, and I wrote that in Key of Independent two weeks ago. I said, okay, you don't want to do this from NATO? Listen, I understand that. Ukrainians don't, but I understand that. 
but why couldn't they do it individually through through land lease? Yeah, no, I, I was in Kiev. Uh, I was in yeah, I was in Kiev uh, in 2017, so that's five years ago. And even then, uh, the uh, Ukrainians were saying, you know, give us, you know, I, I was I went to uh, a, a military hospital where there were soldiers who had just come from the front, and they were injured soldiers getting getting uh, attention. And there's a lot of Canadian doctors, as you know. Uh, administering to these uh, poor soldiers who, you know, had half their half their abdomens blown out or what have you, and uh, and I, I know well, I know that yeah I, uh, yeah. I, I uh, we've been in those hospitals yeah. uh, both in Dnipro and and in Kiev yeah um, I have friends that were that that were beneficiaries of, of Canadian help um, so. And so my, I guess my point is, you know, at that time we were giving non-military uh, uh, aid, non-lethal and, aid. And, and non-lethal aid, and uh, there there was a movement in Canada. I know the Conservative Party of Canada, as an example, were urging uh, more kinetic weapons be uh, be allowed to go to flow to the Ukrainians, uh, which was not done. Until very recently, now now of course everything's changed, and and the, some weapons are flowing from Canada uh, uh, that can be used, or some military materiel. Let's put it that way, as is flowing from Canada to the Ukrainian army. Uh, what do you think about uh, this uh, idea of the Polish military giving Soviet era fighter planes to Ukraine? And then they would be replaced by NATO planes, so that the Poles would be still able to defend themselves. What what, what about that idea? Yeah, well, why? Yeah, why, why wasn't that? Why wasn't that deal made uh, last uh, last Saturday Sunday? Yeah. When the Ukrainian pilots were were, were taking over taken over there, right? Yeah. Waiting for those planes, the Canadian, the uh, sorry, the Ukrainian parliament uh, announced this done deal, right? It was announced, and people were waiting. Right. And suddenly, bang! It's not there. Uh, I think the idea is good. You cannot imply, and this is another thing about uh, explaining to Ukrainians that not, uh, no, establishing a no-fly zone. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's an act of war. It's an act of war. Yeah. And, 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 and I know that anytime NATO gets involved, something's going to escalate. I mean, okay, and, yeah. and we know where it can escalate too. But the point being is that. Why wasn't this done even earlier? That's my that's my uh, one of my gripes when I talk to Canadian or or European sources uh, media. Right? I say, why wasn't this done before? Yeah. So the question now remains: We have a forty-kilometer column of, of Russian military convoy out twenty k out of Kiev right now. That's what I know and I've seen. We have no way of trying to destroy. That particular convoy that, by the way, does not have gas, right? Right. They, they only the soldiers, the Russians only had three days uh, of food, right? Right. Why is not that being bombed? Like you know, the road to Baghdad, you remember? Right. Right. Uh, they're prepared to do that. They're prepared to do that, and we don't have the we don't have the plane uh, planes to, to do it. You know. Yeah. Uh, as a Political and diplomatic failure. I don't know how you look at it, but that could have, should have been done, and it still can be done. And I think one of the reasons I, 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 I'm uh, talking to you is to is to is to uh, suggest to people. And by the way, 70, 60 to seventy percent of people in the 
yeah. militarily, and you give them what they need. Okay, uh, I don't, I don't, I, I don't see this. Uh, I, 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 I can't see why this has not happened. So, and, and I think answers have to be demanded. Yeah. Uh, why has not this been happening of the Canadian government and the other governments as well? Hmm. So yeah, no, uh, I'm glad you've made that point. Pretty tough. You know, it, 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 there's gonna, there's going to be a lot of questions asked. I'm sure. At, at what cost? Yeah. People have to understand at what cost. I had a conversation, and uh, well, today, uh, well, I took my uh, my second cousin's family, picked them up at the at the at the railway station yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. He's to, and as I'm walking to get him some food, right, there was a little like a, like a, a streetcar goes by, thirty thirty some odd years old. He shuddered. He says. Yuri, is that a bomb? And he's been for the last eight days outside of Kharkiv seeing the bombardment of of, uh, of uh, uh, fighting forces outside of Kharkiv. At the same time, where I live in Kharkiv, and, and, his, and his father said to me uh, this afternoon, they are dropping bombs on residential areas. Right. Okay? Where my, near where my mother grew up. And bombs are being dropped. As a matter of fact, today, uh, there was, uh, they dropped uh, t- uh, two bombs and they had four, four times they, 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 uh, the Russians flew over Khadiv. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Now, there's a genocide potential. I'm very careful now, right? There is a potential here of a cultural genocide potential. Okay. I mean, he's, he's he, dropping yeah, I mean, Putin is saying to his own soldiers and to his own population, uh, Ukraine is full of Nazis, and uh, you know these, he's weaving this uh, false narrative about why it was important to invade Ukraine, right? So once you once you de- dehumanize, the second World War propaganda material. And yeah. by the way, I'm asking people now: Do you still listen to Putin or Minister Lavrov? Do you still listen to that? Seriously? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing been but lies, obfuscation. And, uh, and and misinformation, right? And I I don't know. I mean, and this is my job. I never listen. Uh, I never listen to what he says. I mean, people should read the essay that he wrote last year, right? That, right. Uh, that, that's that's basically thing. saying that Ukrainians are not a nation, right? Right. If you notice that, and I read it three times, right? You never see or you never hear him refer to uh, uh, Ukraine. You never hear him uh, say anything about the unique cultural, linguistic, and historical uh, uh, differences that differentiate them for, uh, Ukrainians from Russians. Nowhere is there a uh, nowhere is there an acceptance of the fact that Ukraine is a sovereign nation. Uh, by the way, and a UN member, mm-hmm. his attempt now is to destroy uh, Ukraine. Uh, like Hitler attempted to do in Warsaw. Do you know, remember what, when uh, when Hitler and the Nazis came into into uh, uh, Warsaw? Yeah. You know what they did? They went after what the museums and the cultural things. Remember? Right. And that's that's what I say about the seeds of uh, of uh, of uh, a potential uh, cultural genocide. But this has been part for the course from Moscow uh, since its inception, and you and you know very well about. What Stalin attempted to do by the starvation, uh, the, the starvation through the use of terror, of, of, of starvation, 
to get rid of uh, people in eastern Ukraine, and with the result being four, over 4 million people starved to death. So this is a continuation of a, uh, of a Soviet, a Soviet and, and, and Russian narrative to destroy, to destroy the people of Ukraine. I mean, it's just a high and you know, I'm a philosopher too, but you have to start thinking about that. And is the West going to stand by where a fledgling democracy is resisting uh, one of the major armies in the world? That's a good question. Is the West yeah. going to stand by? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. And, and of course, uh, Ukrainians and, and, and uh, Kalensky and, uh, Everyone have captured the hearts uh, of uh, so many uh, in the West uh, that um, uh, are they, you know, the, the, I think it's going to be tougher for governments just to bury their heads in the sand uh, when, when the when our population know. is so I pro-Ukraine. See, I see people here constantly, Western diplomats, right? Yeah. Uh, people that you and I both know, okay, constantly are not aware and have not defined um, the the true essence of of, of, of Putin. They yeah. haven't understood that there was a, there's an element in what I learned. I mean, you and I grew up in I grew up in Toronto, and you know where I live. Yeah. And for me to to comprehend, right? So for me to comprehend that this is even possible, if I had not not lived here, is like. I couldn't comprehend it. I couldn't imagine it. But for the last eight years, I live next door. Uh, I live next door to a nation that constantly uses information warfare, psycho, uh, uh, psychological manipulation, uh, using pro-Russian sympathizers in Ukraine. Right? Mm -hmm. And people have said, we've had enough of this. And I think what people should do uh, is understand that Transcend your fear. We've done it here. Yeah. The Ukrainians have done it and said, we're not afraid of this guy. We're not afraid. And we're willing uh, to stand up, resist this for the cause of freedom. And that's why, by the way, and you've known me long enough, you know I'm a freedom guy, right? Yeah. So uh, this is why I'm here. I want to articulate and, and propagate and advocate for the fact that people should know that Ukraine is standing up to one of the largest armies in the world, has no planes, literally no planes, was not given enough ammunition and enough javelins or stingers. We waited for stingers, uh, javelins, for three years, right? Yeah. We only got the whole big shipment a while ago. And so my question is, why has the Western democracies, why have the Western democracies been reticent to do this? And... That's the right now. That's the message that I can uh, and get uh, I can get up. Uh, I'm shocked by that, but I've been here long enough to know and to feel what it means to live to an authoritarian imperialist, and uh, and I'm proud to have the blood of people and friends of mine and people I know, artists, singers, painters, uh, fishmongers, small businessmen, right, going and taking up an arm at machine guns automatic weapons and standing in the middle uh, my friends from Kiev standing now waiting for an attack by uh, by Russia and I'm just wondering why weren't they supplied and and, uh, and why wasn't this done and surely why aren't planes being sent 
theoretical question for you because I've learned enough in life not to predict the future. But uh, let's say uh, you know eventually uh, uh, the uh, the Russian uh, the Russian army does uh, prevail, enters uh, Kiev, uh, creates a puppet government. Uh, does 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 the fight continue, Yuri, do, in, in Ukrainians' minds? Absolutely. By the way, I forgive me. I doubt the the assumption of. Uh, or the premise of your question. No, for sure. I, I, I get that. that. I get that. Yeah, I, I, I have to doubt that, you know. Um, uh, I, 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 if we had planes, by the way, we would definitely, uh, we would definitely prevent them entering into, uh, into the heart of Kiev. They're on the ring. They've tried to even get by the ring road that, 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 that surrounds Kiev. Right. Um, I doubt that is even going to happen. I, I, I actually, I, I, uh, I, I, I doubt it. I doubt that that's going to happen. I talked to my guy Kiev, from Kiev today who's uh, uh, driving up and down and delivering humanitarian aid. He said um, uh, they, they might not actually do that. Really? However, uh, yeah, they actually, I mean, I think this is bordering on the element of propaganda, right? Um, and I'm definitely, I want to make it clear that I'm a firm supporter of, of, of Ukraine and its people, right? That should go on, on, uh, unchallenged. Uh, I, given the weapons, right? Given the weapons, I doubt very much that the, that, uh, that, um, that the, the Russians can take, uh, to take Kiev. There, there will be resistance. Even if they enter, uh, you, you know, the streets of Kiev, you were here. Uh, we know the uh, the uh, uh, Ukrainians know uh, uh, the streets better than they do. They're going to get pinged off. Hmm. They're going to be killed. There will be carnage um, of of Russians. There will be carnage. And to be candid with you, they're not as uh, many of the soldiers as you may have heard. Right? Uh, hmm. They're not as brave. A lot of them have been given have been giving up. They have been lied to. Right. And they have said when captured. Have you heard those? Have you heard yeah. those, those reports? Yeah, I have. They yeah. said we don't even know. We were told we were going on an exercise, and we were told that we would be welcomed with with flowers. Yeah. Even the Russian Russian speaking citizens, right? Say no. You know, they say no. That people like the Tiananmen, Tiananmen Square. There's people that will stand in front of tanks. Yeah. Young students. We've seen They're that. Not even shooting. Just wait till they get to the shooting part. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So the. Fighting has been will be vicious, and uh, um, the fighting will be vicious. That's, uh, Yuri Polakuski, you have answered all of our questions. I, I just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I know, I know uh, how difficult the situation is now, and uh, you've got our hopes and prayers, and hopefully more than that. And uh, thanks for explaining the, this to our listeners, and uh, hopefully you have. Uh, reinforce the need for greater involvement in this uh, tragedy. Thanks, Tony. Good to, good to talk to you anytime. All, all, the, all the best, brother. Very interesting discussion um, from war-torn Ukraine. Yeah. But as he said, no, uh, where he is, he hasn't been uh, bombed as of yet, or they haven't seen much of that action. Is that no, correct? He's in the western part of the country, yeah. so uh, they're not directly in the firing line, but, uh, you know, it's, it could be only a matter of time. Who knows? So it's a very, 
as you could tell, Yuri is very passionate, uh, as he should be, about his his uh, native land. And uh, he's a Canadian, but he's also a Ukrainian. So uh, I'm glad that we had a chance to check in with him. I wonder, did he have, I wonder if he had any thoughts of leaving. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, he, he clearly he's a lot of his family are being evacuated from the east. I don't know whether they're heading out to Poland or staying in Lviv. So uh, I guess it just depends on the situation. Yeah, interesting. It's a very interesting time. So we'll continue to uh, to watch that and and see where it goes. I thought it was really important because we had the, the Russian dissident on uh, Vladimir Milov uh, last uh, podcast. I thought, but I also, you know, I, I had been working, uh, Jody, as you know, to try to get a Ukrainian voice on as well. So I'm very glad that Yuri uh, took the time to do this. So we've had the Russian, we've had the Ukrainian. and We need, uh, we need a Belarusian now. Oh, is that is that how it goes? That's the <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the formal process. Just keep going up the ladder. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, all right. Well, that's uh, no, that was pretty cool. I, I thought that was a, a, amazing to listen to, and I hope that our listeners uh, enjoyed that. Uh, once again, don't forget Municipal Solutions, the presenting sponsor of this program each week. You can find them at municipalsolutions.ca. Also, make sure you become a subscriber to looneypolitics.com. Use the code podcast to get 50% off an annual subscription. And then, Tony, I know you can plug our uh, most recent sponsor. Yes, the Canada Strong and Free Networking Conference is coming up May 5th to 7th, 2022 at the Shaw Centre in Ottawa. Go to canadastrongandfree.network to see what's coming up there. Do you think Pierre Polyev and Jean Charest will be at that conference? I guarantee you they will be there. <laughs> I guarantee you know you know that. Yes, they will be there. Yeah, by the way, I hate to put you on the spot, but I love to put you on the spot. I saw a story that your MP has decided to kick the tires on running. Is that correct? Apparently that is that is the case, yes. Name Scott, is it Aitchison or Atchison? Aitchison, yes. Scott Aitchison. He's, He's a two time two time MP. Yeah, I guess he was uh, elected uh, first in 2019 and then reelected in 2021. Yeah. And not to tell tales out of school, but like, did he call you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, uh, my advice I did get a call from another potential candidate uh, whom I will not be supporting, but I just said, uh, I said, look, just so you know, because I've run for leader twice, and uh, I said, just so you know, Running for leader is lonely. It's it's just expensive, uh, and it's very very difficult. So you know, if you're willing to accept those those odds, go for it. But don't go in thinking it's just a it's just a fun time because it's not. Yeah, and of course, uh, yeah, like you said, you got a call. You didn't want to name the person Tasha Kierden, but nah, um... no, it's not Tasha Kierden. <laughs> Oh man, silly season, silly season. It's all fun and games until April 19th, Jody. It's all fun and games till someone becomes leader. (laughs) No, no. April 19th, you got to, you got to plump down $300,000 to the party. Right. Um, And I don't know, it's something like a thousand names from 50 writings or something like that. We'll see. We'll see who's really running for leader on April 19th. Well, by the way, we haven't officially said we're not. And yet like nobody reports on us. I know. Why aren't we on the list? Like we're going to be like the, you know, the leadership tag team champions. You know, I will still have the- to get the rules from uh, the uh, leadership organizing committee. Can we have a tag team uh, candidate? I'm going to send a note to Leoc today. 
Okay. I'm going to send a note today. We could be breaking some new news here. Yes. All right, Tony, uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will do this again in seven days. For sure.